You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. America's national pastime has seen its fair share of legends. Greats like Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Ted Williams, and Ty Cobb have left their marks, not just on baseball, but on the landscape of American sports. Yet there are two players who have been named as legends despite suffering a few embarrassing losses at the heights of their careers. Specifically at the hand, well, the arm, of one unsuspecting pitcher. The name Jackie Mitchell probably doesn't ring a bell, even to the most ardent baseball fans. Mitchell was a left-handed pitcher for a minor league team in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Before that, Mitchell grew up learning from some of the best pitchers the game had ever seen. Dazzy Vance, who had played for the Brooklyn Dodgers in the 1920s, had once taught the up-and-comer how to throw a sinker. There were also the kids around town who would all play ball together, giving Mitchell all the practice needed to take on the biggest names in baseball, specifically Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. By 1931, Ruth was a star on the field and off. He'd already won three World Series with the New York Yankees. He'd been in a feature film, and he was doing some of the best playing of his life. And Lou Gehrig, Ruth's teammate, was right behind him, in more ways than one. Where Ruth batted third in the lineup, Gehrig batted fourth. From extra base hits to total bases, Lou Gehrig's stats were often one or two places behind the Babes, making the two players a powerful duo on the field. In 1931, Joe Engel, formerly of the Washington Senators, was looking for a way to boost ticket sales for his minor league Tennessee baseball team. It just so happened that the Yankees were passing through Chattanooga on their way back from spring training in Florida. They decided to play a few exhibition games against Engel's team, the Lookouts, which were sure to drum up business. After all, it wasn't every day that Chattanooga locals got to see Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig play against their hometown heroes. And to really seal the deal, Engel brought over his newly signed pitcher, Jackie Mitchell, to face the babe and the iron horse head-on. Mitchell couldn't wait to knock Ruth and Gehrig for a loop, especially with the possibility of a big-league career on the line. The date was set. On April 2nd, 4,000 cheering fans filled the stands at Engel Stadium. The day before, reporters had interviewed Mitchell, who was quoted as saying, I'll do my best and will go out there with plenty of pep and with my mind made up on one thing, to fan Babe Ruth. The pitcher took the mound. Ruth stepped up to the plate. The crowd roared. Mitchell threw the first pitch as a ball inside, a rough start. A second pitch flew over the plate. Ruth swung and missed. Strike one. Another pitch came sailing through and he swung once more. Strike two. 
Ruth asked the umpire to examine the ball for any defects or signs of tampering, but the umpire didn't detect anything out of the ordinary. Mitchell had smoked him fair and square. Ruth angrily accepted the umpire's ruling and got ready. Finally, the last ball sailed straight ahead, landing in the catcher's mitt as the great Bambino swung for the third time. He was out, much to the surprise of the crowd. He threw his bat on the ground and stormed off as Gehrig stepped up to the plate. And Lou didn't fare any better, swinging at every pitch and missing each time. Three strikes, and he was out. For one heavy hitter to strike out against a newcomer was a shock. But two? That was unheard of. Even more surprising was who they'd lost to. Jackie Mitchell wasn't just a minor league newbie. Jackie Mitchell was an 18-year-old girl. Now, some historians claim the whole thing was a setup from the start. After all, Joe Engel's nickname was the Baron of Baloney. He was known to pull all kinds of stunts to sell tickets to his games, including replacing his shortstop with a live turkey. Pitting an unknown Mitchell against two willing participants in Ruth and Gehrig may have been just another ruse to get people in the seats. Others believe Mitchell really did strike them out. Neither Ruth nor Gehrig ever admitted to being in on it. She was young and inexperienced, so it was possible that they just didn't expect her to pitch the way that she did and missed because of it. Either way, Jackie Mitchell died in 1987 believing that she had struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. She was a legend in her own right and an inspiration to women everywhere. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all. Even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney. Make everybody count. At the height of World War II, people all over the world were pitching in to support the war effort. Those who couldn't fight helped organize scrap metal drives, welded airplane wings together, and sold war bonds. Many of these jobs were done by the wives and mothers of the men fighting overseas. However, over 350,000 women served during the war, from the Army to the Air Force. In fact, several women helped the Allies win thanks to a particularly crafty secret weapon, one that the enemy never saw coming. Phyllis Latour was born in South Africa in 1921, but at the age of 20, she moved to England and joined the Women's Auxiliary Air Force. She had never intended on going into the field, instead opting to become a flight mechanic and work on planes. However, her superiors saw her as a valuable asset outside of the shop due to her fluency with the French language. Latour had been chosen to become a spy, and she jumped at the chance. Her godmother's father had been killed by the Nazis, and her godmother had sadly taken her own life while she was held prisoner. This was her chance to avenge their deaths. And Latour's spy training was multifaceted, with a strenuous physical regimen on top of a rigorous mental exercise. She learned how to infiltrate buildings with the help of a former cat burglar while also studying Morse code. She also had to make 14 parachute jumps and know how to pick locks to prove that she could do the job. Once her training was complete, Latour was given the codename Genevieve and deployed out into the field. She worked on a Vichy France for a year before beginning the biggest mission of her life. On May 1st of 1944, she parachuted into Nazi-occupied Normandy. Her name this time was Paulette, and she was just a poor French girl selling soap to make ends meet. She traveled by bicycle, stopping and talking pleasantly with the Nazi officers she met. To them, she was a simple, unassuming girl just passing by. To her, the soldiers were tools to be used as she coaxed valuable information out of them. Then she took what they told her, like their current positions and plans, and sent everything back to the British. But in order to get the messages across enemy lines, Latour had to encode it in case the Germans intercepted it. To do this, she didn't use a common cipher or encryption technique. She relied on something she had on hand, her knitting needles. It sounds crazy, I know, but knitting was a perfect way to hide messages in plain sight. Latour used knit stitches and purl stitches to represent the dashes and dots of Morse code, which were translated later using a special machine. She had thousands of codes at the ready, all of which were stored on a piece of silk she kept tied up in her hair, and she wasn't the only one. Knitting was a popular way to transmit messages for both sides of the war. 
It was said that the Germans had taken to knitting entire sweaters in order to conceal their messages. If someone were to unravel the sweater, they'd find a wool thread with knots up and down the length of it. That thread would then need to be placed against a door frame that had been marked up with the letters of the alphabet one inch apart. The letters that the knots touched were the letters used to encode the message. And even those who weren't knitting codes into their gloves and scarves could serve as great spies, blending into the background and just listening to conversations. This was a technique often used during the Revolutionary War. The messages overheard by knitters were written on little pieces of paper and stuffed into balls of yarn that were then passed to American soldiers, without the British ever know what was going on. It seems that for hundreds of years, knitting flew under the radar as a tried-and-true way to undermine the opposition. The stories of those who stitched their way to victory might sound implausible, but they are anything but yarns. They're tales of courage about the women who won by doing what few people could do. They pulled the wool over their enemy's eyes. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.